This is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Work podcast where we bring best in business ideas from the happiest place on earth back to your own organization for you to apply and to and to find ways to make your business experience better where you are. Since 1965, the Walt Disney Company has utilized four keys in their parks for delivering a superior customer service. They are known as safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. These keys have been introduced in three earlier podcasts and posts that we've had. We talked about safety in podcast 49, courtesy in podcast 59, and show in podcast 66. So it was eventually time that we needed to talk about efficiency, and I was going to do it more around 70-something than 140-something, but a certain pandemic kind of came along, and I felt like, I'm not sure I want to showcase efficiency when the Disney company has had to really move away from that um, that standard because they've had to take things much slower, much more methodically, not think so much about efficiency, but much more in terms of things like safety. And so I, I really, I really struggled with doing this podcast. But um, last week, Disney announced that after decades, it has declared a fifth key. And that key is inclusion. And in the days to come, we want to do a major podcast and post where we discuss this new service key. But first, I really have to do justice to efficiency. And honestly, I'm glad I did because as I prepared this podcast, I thought, you know, this pandemic is a good reason to talk about uh, efficiency and its impact um, not only toward the guest experience, but it's, it's juxtaposition to the other surface standards of safety, courtesy, and show. And so we're talking about efficiency today, and I hope you also refer to our show notes page as it'll offer you some insights and guidelines as we go along. <clears throat> now, uh, it has taken years, well, decades of effort to create an efficient operation. And in truth, when these guidelines were first established, um, efficiency wasn't listed as efficiency. It was originally listed as capacity. In the words of Van Arsdale France, who founded the Disney University, he noted, quote, we have a limited capacity. Every seat must be utilized. And of course, this was in the days long before um, a lot of Disney attractions we've known and loved, like the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean, had come along, and and Disney's attendance was going way up, and they needed to create better capacity. But over time, the term was changed to efficiency to capture a broader array of organizational concerns, with tens of thousands going through the parks each day. Efficiency is critical to the success of the entire operation. Here's some early concepts on efficiency from training manuals um, back in the, in the 70s and 80s. Um, 
quote, one day we may have too much entertainment capacity and on the next, not enough. Our challenge is to use our talents and ingenuity to make the best of what we have. So part of efficiency is just being resourceful with what, uh, what you, with what you've been given and what you've been allocated. Quote, guests don't come to stand in lines and they justifiably feel cheated when they can't use all of their ticket books. So we have to do everything we can to make sure they find their pleasures, which do not include waiting in lines, end of quote. So <clears throat> in these early days, Disney used ticket books and you could end up, the ticket books were much larger at Disneyland, interestingly enough, than they were at Walt Disney World, but you could end up having um, a set of five E coupons and four Ds and three Cs and two Bs and one A. Well, when you put all that together, that's about 15 attractions. And, um, and in truth, nowadays, most guests only average about, I think it's seven to eight attractions per guest visit. But back in the day when you had the ticket book, you're standing there with your unused tickets at the end of the day, which could be applied to a future trip. But but people are kind of judging, well, how good was the day? Well, we didn't get a chance to use these tickets or to use these tickets. Of course, you could have gone through all of your E's and maybe most of your D's and a couple of C's. And, but if you hadn't used some of those E tickets, if you realized looking at it, gosh, we didn't go on the Matterhorn or geez, we didn't get a chance to do that new Big Thunder attraction. You could see that they could see the, the, the value out of not being able to, to use all the tickets. So if, how do we get more people through the queue? How do we get more people through the line? And this has been, this has probably been the centerpiece of the term efficiency. Um, how do we get them into the park, you know, so they're not standing in lines? How do we get them food so they're not waiting forever? Um, it goes on to say, <clears throat> quote, there is a unique economic fact of life in our Disneyland and Walt Disney World operations. We lose money on our peak days. Although we have our great spectacular shows during the week after Christmas, we frequently get the most complaints during this period. The logical reason is that our guests come to enjoy everything, not to stand in line. End of quote. Then it goes on to another quote that says, and on slow days, although we have the best climates in the world, it does rain and get hot in both Florida and California. On these days, and there are other factors, we have more capacity than our guests can use, end of quote. So you can see that the company was really weighing these issues for a long time about, oh my goodness, we have so many people coming through. We can't accommodate all of them. How do we use every seat? I think of, I think of Flight to the Moon, which is that theater similar to Stitch's Encounter, if you've been on that in more recent years, and you think about every seat in that room, or you think about, and if a seat is broken, or a seat was broken in the Carousel of Progress, that's one less person going through the attraction. Go through the People Mover, one cab broken, that's one, that's one group that's not gonna get on, but that's one group circulated every 10 minutes all throughout the entire day. So you can see that this really does build up for them. It goes on to say, quote, our estimates of the number of guests are usually accurate within 5%. When they're over or under, 
that we lose either money or goodwill. Within those limits, however, you can plan a year ahead. There is really no excuse for not having an adequate number of people properly trained for a given day. So there shouldn't be a surprise. They, they knew early on, decades ago, roughly how many we should expect. They should be able to plan, accommodate, train, set expectations with their cast members, and know how to best utilize those resources that they had. When it was a few more thousand than they expected, they knew that they were expected as managers to step in and help out. And so, and so this is an emphasis that planning is a key to efficiency. And that if we're gonna be successful, we need, to, we need to do our planning ahead of time. Then last quote, we have an adequate amount of time to do necessary maintenance in between our peak periods. One reason a leader is a leader is in his or her skill in planning. Planning for preventive maintenance, including safety, is a key responsibility, end of quote. So this, um, this is a big issue. Do you have all of your ride vehicles, let's say Autopia cars, or let's say um, uh, canoes out on the rivers of America, or simply are both double-decker buses ready to go? All of these things, are they ready to go? Uh, or are we unable to put ride vehicles out because, yeah, they're, they're down? Or we are having problem running them through um, the system. So these kinds of things suggest that as leaders, you need to make sure you kind of plan your labor, you plan your maintenance, you plan everything to anticipate because anticipation is a part of being efficient. And that is part of creating an efficient um, D Disney experience. Now, a few number of years ago, Disney outlined for its frontline especially, but for everyone really, efficient service, Disney service behaviors. There are service behaviors for safety, for courtesy, for show, and they defined what are the appropriate service behaviors for cast members. And they fall into two groups really. The first is, uh, the first of these is, I perform my role efficiently so guests can get the most out of their, their visit. So it's basically saying all of us have a responsibility to make sure we run this operation as efficiently as possible. And then it gives some, some phrases to suggest ways to do that. Look for ways to reduce lines and hassles. Provide accurate and timely information to the guests. Be knowledgeable about my area and beyond. So the word, and then share opportunities to improve my area. So there's a couple of really good key points to being more efficient. First of all, be eyes and ears to everything around you and to say, okay, what's, what's working here? What's not working here? How could we make it more efficient? Have you ever been in a queue that requires you, even though it's empty, you're having to go back and forth in the queue line, even though nobody's in line there, that's an inefficient use of a guest's time. You shouldn't be making them serpentine back and forth. So that would be an example of that. Provide accurate and timely information. So knowing, 
For instance, if a guest came up to you and said, I want to know where I could find Pocahontas at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Well, you don't know. You don't even, you don't work in, in Disney's Animal Kingdom. In fact, you work at the resort hotel over at the Grand Floridian. How are you supposed to know when Pocahontas shows? And so they created a phone line, which um, four digits at the end um, were the actual digits for the word chip, as in Chip and Dale. And basically, all you had to do was dial chip in the internal system line. And sure enough, you could get somebody who could tell you where you could find Pocahontas anywhere in the parks. Well, she's not at Disney's Animal Kingdom today, but she is going to be in the parade on Main Street. So you could be able to communicate this to any cast member and arm them with the information they need. For cast members in each of the parks, and frankly in the resorts as well, they would provide these cards, that pocket, provide, pocket cards that you would wear, and it had every conceivable piece of information, critical information about that particular park, hours of operation, which rides were were closed currently, where you could find that character meet and greet, what was, you know, all of these things were outlined in this little pocket provider so a guest could, or so that a cast member could provide accurate and timely information um, as it was provided, being knowledgeable about my area and beyond. So Disney's had a newsletter called Eyes and Ears that it has pr promoted for years. It actually, it's, it's, uh, it's called the Disneyland line over in California has different names in every park around the world, but it provides information as to what is, um, what is going on in the organization, not only there at that resort, but in other resorts across the world, getting, um, cast members more knowledge about their area and beyond, um, sharing opportunities to improve my area. Now, Disney has all, Disney created a really good process in what is called performance excellence, which if you go back to my uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago about Judson Green, he really instituted this process, which was about continuous improvement. How can we push improving the operation down to the front line? So examples of this, um, it are, are, we're all over the property and, um, and it was a great experience seeing the cast members more engaged and more invested by coming up with ideas. I believe that this program is not as formal as it once was. That doesn't mean that, that managers and leaders don't seek out cast member input. And of course the company is seeking out, um, guest input all the time and it's done a better better job of that. But again, to the degree you can provide vehicles for people to share, how can we make this operation um, better? A simple idea that came out a number of years ago is at the end of the day, you have to gather all the wheelchairs and all the strollers back to the train station. Well, somebody came up with a simple idea and said, look, some of these wheelchairs and strollers have to also be available at the train station in Frontierland and the train station in Fantasyland. So why don't we make sure some of those go in that direction? That's a very simple idea, but it's a simple thing that makes the operation, again, more efficient. Um, nowadays, 
they have created more tools to help improve that efficiency. There are um, counter um, service processes. So for instance, if you notice how Disney runs a counter service, and we'll talk a little bit about mobile ordering in a minute, but take um, the counter service area at um, Cosmic Rays. Um, there are three bays from which you order. And traditionally over the years, they've had, okay, the salads and soup over here, the hamburgers here, the chicken entrees over here. So they kind of separated that out for the guests. So they kind of, kind of choose which area to go in. And then if you notice every, you don't order at the counter, you order at a, a little kiosk in front of the counter. There are two sides to that counter and then and so that a cast member can take one side and then take the next side because often a guest will line up right in front of the cash register but still not know they're still staring at the menu board and so she so he or she takes care of the individual on the opposite side so that when um, they take care of that guest they turn to the other side and you're more ready and more prepared to order and then from there those two sides funnel into one queue that then awaits um, picking up the order so that you're not um, that you're not crowding the counter but saving the counter for delivering the order and once the order was given you then have a separate space to kind of turn and exit so it's easier to to leave this is the very simplest process but for an operation like cosmic rays who has uh, allegedly probably served more hamburgers than anybody else over the years, Pecos Bills being the same. This, these processes have helped create a more efficient operation. And so that is just one example. Efficient ride systems like the Omnimover at um, the Haunted Mansion or in Buzz Lightyear's or the People Mover. These efficient ride systems have allowed thousands of guests to go on per hour onto an attraction. That, that's a huge advantage in terms of giving guests more um, guest satisfying experiences. Efficient queuing systems. Um, so when you go on Rise of the Resistance, if you haven't noticed, and I hope this isn't a spoiler alert, but you enter more than one cave to get on to, to begin um, your attraction, I say more than one cave, when you get the pre-show briefing from Ray, there are actually two caves. They alternate so that they can move guests um, quickly out into the exterior area where they're going to board the um, U-ship um, that takes them out into space. Again, spoiler alert, so skip over this for the next 30 seconds if you don't want to be told this, but as you move from these two cave rooms out to the exterior portion, you board the U-ship. Well, guess what? It looks like one U-ship, but there's two U-ships. It's it's on a turn, uh, it's on a, a turning dock. And so while one is going through the motion of, of being in space, the other is actually picking up um, gas or or um, or uh, unloading guests. 
and the whole thing is moving around on a turntable so it can move guests as quickly as possible through the ride system. When you go to the boarding areas, um, after you have um, been um, notified or that you've been put into um, the um, inquisition room, I can't remember what they called that, but the room where you um, where Kylo Ren visits you, you're then taken out to one of um, to two different um, and there are four of those interrogation rooms. That's what's called the interrogation room. You're, you're brought into one of four interrogation rooms and then brought out to two sets of ride vehicles, each with two rows. So you can see from, they have tried to make rides as efficient as possible. Now it's, it's a complicated ride system and it's had a lot of downtime, but you gotta grant the fact that their initial idea was to create an efficient queue system for this attraction. So this is an example. Um, capabilities to more easily uh, accommodate guests with mobility needs, trying to be more inclusive of them and not hold up the line while they're trying to get those guests with mobility needs um, boarded. So that, so take for instance, Toy Story Mania. There's a separate space for guests with mobility challenges to load so they can take their time and do so in a comfortable, courteous manner while the rest, and then when it's ready, it goes into the rest of the operation and allows the rest of the operation while that's happening to continuously move and move as many guests through um, uh, Toy Story Mania. Fast Pass is probably the quintessential, one of the quintessential uh, forms of efficiency, giving guests the option and remember, you go back to those historic terms every day that a guest is having to wait in line, especially on those busier holiday periods, is time that the guests aren't experiencing food and beverage options or doing retail shopping. Well, FastPass freed that up and not only made um, the experience more efficient for guests to not have to waste their time, because another choice they have is to go to some other ride, by the way where they could get on more rides during their time while they're waiting for the time frame to come back to that fast pass attraction. So again, an efficient operation, but also benefits the bottom line. My Magic app, the ability, it's always had a tip board in the front of the park to say this is the wait time for attractions. They still have those with uh, tip boards throughout, but um, that are now electronic boards. But the My Magic app, um, allows you to instantly look at your app and make decisions, have choices, which is part of efficiency, to be able to choose where to go. And then finally, the last one I'm going to mention, which is an electronic system, but not available to guests. It's available to cast members. There is an internal uh, intranet system called the hub. You think of the hub as the, the area, the space in front of the castle. Well, the hub is also a term for the intranet service that allows cast members to utilize and access just scores, hundreds, hundreds of things to better inform them what's going on, to make it easier for them to do the job they need to do, to take care of their timesheet, all those kinds of things, uh, get vacation uh, scheduled, all those kinds of things to make it more efficient for the cast members. The hub is the hub of efficiency. It allows cast members to more efficiently do their job and to 
and to have the resources that they need. So these are all classic examples over the many decades of how Disney creates a more efficient operation. Efficiency stands as clearly to the Disney operation as safety, as courtesy, and as show does. They have made it the business of doing that. Now, that was one actual thing around efficiency, um, performing the role of efficiency the, so that the guests get more out of their weights. But there was a second one that says, I use my time and resources wisely. And then it goes on to say, be prepared and anticipate operational uh, needs. Work across teams to effectively create or to create partnerships across all areas. Take responsibility to reserve uh, resources. Well, there are a number of ways the organization seeks to do those kinds of things. If you notice that the stated opening time for the park is never 9 a.m. in the morning. It's really opening up. Uh, the toll booth, the parking toll booth up to easily two hours beforehand and then opening up parking lot trams an hour and a half or at the same time as that. As, as, as cars get further and further out in the parking lot and you can't walk up to the, to the entrance. And then in the case of like the Magic Kingdom, you have, you have the monorails and, and boats running back and forth again early early on before an hour and a half um, before the park um, opens and then the park often opens a half hour early before it's stated time so the guests can get that wheelchair stroller grab a cup of coffee or just simply get lined up to go on their first attraction so opening and and in advance of stated opening is the most classic way Disney prepares and anticipates operational needs. Every single day, they do their very best to open. And of course, during Rise of Resistance, that got to a level of craziness never before understood. But notwithstanding, they did their best to, to um, be prepared and anticipate operational needs. Um, utilizing cross-training. So the idea that uh, we could give people an opportunity to learn more about businesses across the board and to see other areas of operation, to learn from them. Um, Cross-utilization allows you to bring in management. You're sitting there in the office building a Team Disney. Come on down during holiday hours. We need you to help with parade control and so forth. And so utilizing those resources that you have during holiday periods, it's expected if you are a front, a, a, a white collar worker, or you're in an office type position, you're a leader, you're expected to be in the park helping doing frontline duties during, during busy, excessive holiday periods. And I have done my schlepping of food trays. I've parade, done my parade patrolling, other kinds of things. They are great insights to how the operation works, but there are, I'm also there to help the operation move more efficiently. And then finally, I should mention, and I thought I'd do a little bit of focus on this, although we'll do another podcast on it, focus on environmental stability. Walt Disney said, conservation isn't just the business of a few people. It's a matter that concerns all of us. And to that end, Disney has truly um, tried to um, 
really make environmental sustainability a big part of their business. And I just want to give you a couple of data points on that because I, I find it incredibly fascinating. From 2013 to 2019, they have saved over 300 million gallons of water. The water in the, in the, in the lagoon at Paradise Pier, when they empty it to do work on the show for um, 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 uh, World of Color uh, show at Disney California Adventure, they have created a very sophisticated process of being able to save that water and hold it in reserve and bring it back so that it is not just simply wastewater thrown out, refilled by other water. Um, they, if you haven't seen the solar panels in the shape of Mickey Mouse, know that that is a fraction of what they have done recently. They have over 292 acres of solar panels at Walt Disney World, and by the way, also being put on the Universe of Energy building for the new Gal uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride. They have planted over 9 million trees. Have you ever seen them replant trees and move trees? Uh, eliminating, yeah, I'm not happy with paper straws. I hate paper straws with a slushy product. But, but boy, when you look at this number, they've eliminated more than 175 million straws and 30 million stirs annually. In, that's a that's a ton that's a ton of plastic um, transitioning on the cruise ships to refillable in-room amenities. And I thought this was a, not a great idea either, because I kind of like the little bottles of conditioner and and uh, skin cream. There's a certain smell to it that I link automatically with my visit to Disney Cruise Line. But you know what? That reduced plastics in guest rooms by 80% when they went to refillable in-room amenities. That's a big savings in that regard. And did you know that the Mark Twain Riverboat runs on biodiesel oil made from recycled cooking oil? That's a, those are pretty astonishing things that, that, um, that have occurred through environmental sustainability. So, and all of them are part of this thing called efficiency. It is very much a key part of running the operation. Now, I said earlier that I was a little hesitant doing this particular podcast while we were in the COVID period of time because I just felt like Disney's had to, well, it feels like efficiency has taken a big backseat to Disney's most important key, which is safety and should be during this period of um, COVID-19. Um, and, and you could see the effects of that. Consider the following. Now, it takes time to go online and make a reservation. Um, currently, um, FastPass um, and FastPass, or FastPass Plus in particular here at Walt Disney World has been um, suspended. You can't take advantage of that service, meaning you will wait in all lines. Adding an extra step as you enter the park and having to do a temperature check, uh, lengthening the length of a queue that you have to walk through, reducing occupancy on ride vehicle systems and shows so every other Omnimover is empty or every other row is empty at the Hall of Presidents. 
reducing capacity in shops and restaurants. In fact, even closing. You know, I haven't had a meal in months in the Harbor House because that is a closed operation right now. Um, so reducing that capacity. And then, oh, and, and also just less attraction food and beverage and retail option, options. So both the fact that you don't have something like the Harbor House, but then when you go into Pecos Bills, every other seat has a sign that says, don't sit here. These things reduce the efficiency of your operation big time. And so those are the things that were just on my mind as I was thinking, should I really be doing, talking about efficiency right now? But then I really thought and looked closer at the thing and considered some of the things that Disney has created or emphasized in terms of measures to improve efficiency during this COVID period. A new security system technology called Evolve Express is now, um, I, I don't want to say tested because it's almost been implemented in every park. I don't think it's in Epcot yet, but it has been started in Animal Kingdom, well, in Disney Springs, actually, in Animal Kingdom and um, um, some other, uh, and the Magic Kingdom, I've seen it being used and at the studios. For what has been the need, in fact, you know, the, the studios and Animal Kingdom, well, they've all been redoing their security area with, with several dozen security entrances. This one machine handles, what, five or six security um, uh, entrances had handled before. It is moving people at a much faster pace. Those who are still in question are moved to a side area. It is a much more efficient operation. Very expensive, I'm sure, for them, but it has done a whole lot of, of good in terms of making the operation more efficient. Entrances and exits to retail and food and beverage locations. Again, that was more from a safety point of view, but to create that efficiency so people weren't um, facing each other, coming and going, they made an efficient use of um, dedicating some areas to entrances and others to exits. More mobile order outlets. So the fact that mobile ordering has been implemented, which happened before COVID, was a big thumbs up, but they have made this an emphasis at, at a much bigger level than they have ever made it before. They have put it in more operations. They have been better at taking seasonal food items, like a Halloween item, making sure it was listed because a lot of these things were missing off the menus uh, prior. They have really put some time, energy, and money in mobile ordering. And oh, by the way, they're not, uh, I haven't mentioned this in our Disney at News, but they have made, uh, they've been testing at Sanaa takeout dining options. So talk about your efficiency. I can put in an order, come swing by, and not only pick it up and take it to my hotel room, I can pick it up and take it over to my house, um, which uh, it's unfortunate they didn't start that much earlier at Disney Springs. I think that would have been, I think a lot of people would have been lined up months ago to just grab and go um, from restaurants at Disney Springs if you could have figured out how to move them through all the, the uh, garages there, parking garages. Online resort check-in. Now uh, you really don't need to stand in line again. It's just been re-emphasized with this uh, uh, situation. And mobile um, uh, reservations for gift shops. Uh, World of Disney had to do that in its early days. Uh, even the uh, Splash Mountain retail shop when 
it was announced that Splash Mountain was going to open. It had gotten really crazy with the number of people wanting to shop and buy um, memorabilia from there. And so, at any rate, all these things have been done to, to try to, despite all the safety challenges and measures put in place, to still create as efficient an operation for guests while they're here. With all, still with all these efforts, it's important to note efficiency continues to ultimately play a backseat role to safety. And that's how it's intended to be. Safety was always to be the first, a first of, of, above and beyond all those. There are times where efficiency actually, in my view, plays a bigger role than, safe, than say something like show. But definitely it's never played a bigger role than safety by and large. Efficiency is, um, is always been emphasized, but it's never been the ruling uh, standard. So in closing, every Disney at Work podcast includes souvenirs for your operation, takeaways that you can apply back to your workplace. So ask yourself the following questions. What does efficiency mean to your operation? How can you better utilize labor and other resources? How can your employees be more knowledgeable about the operation? How can you better plan in advance maintenance and other issues so as to not slow down your operation? How could you better work across your operation to partner with others? How could you better use technology to save time and money, not just for your bottom line, but for the customer experience? How can you better conserve and sustain environmental resources? And are you making sure employee efficiency doesn't override efficiency for the customer? That I haven't gone over a whole lot, but I, it begs to mention that one of the challenges is, is that too often we do things in an operation that is more convenient for us, but ends up being more inconvenient for our customer. That's not a good strategy. You want to always put your customer experience first whenever possible. Well, those are some souvenirs that you can take back to your workplace. There are other keys, including Disney's newest. You may want to refer to our um, first and fairly, well, not so recent podcast on the four keys. Um, safety, again, was podcast number 49 courtesy was podcast number 59 so 49 59 and then show was podcast number 66 here's the good news you can look forward to our podcast on disney's newest key um, in the days to come not not in months or years um, so be on the lookout for that. I think it's going to be quite exciting to talk about what does inclusion look like as a service key? How does it compare to courtesy? How do you make that, that come alive within an operation? I, I think these are good, good issues to look at. And, and because they're concepts taught from day one at Disney's tradition, and orientation and apply daily. They're significant to Disney and they may be of some interest and application to you and your organization. Certainly in our society, these are big issues 
So shouldn't they be issues within your organization? More to come for sure. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you check out our YouTube page, J. Jeff Cobra, where we're getting more videos every day. And make sure you subscribe to that as well. Finally, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, as written by Alan Menken, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.